I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Rogue Report podcast in association with the Southern Community Soup Kitchen. It's Gav and you join us after a bit of a break after the Easter period. We've been away for a little while and there's been plenty of football. Most recently, the Huddersfield game. Join me is Chris. Hi, mate. Hello, Gavin. Yes, had a had a little bit of a break. I think um, all of the Rotary Report team are suffering from a collective hangover after the uh, international Ooh. fans' uh, night out. But uh, that that was great. But yeah, just a um, little bit flat after the Huddersfield game. After after admit, mate. Yeah, yeah, it was flat, wasn't it? The Result, the performance, the way the game panned out. I'll be honest, prior to the game, I wasn't sure really what to expect because it's weird in a way. Because, you, you know, even even Tony Mowbray was trying to telegraph the way that Huddersfield were going to play. He said that they were going to frustrate us, they were going to sit in, that Warnock likes his teams to man-mark all over the pitch. And I don't think that's what we got. I actually yeah. think he called our bluff and he, they came and tried to play against us a little bit. And that is probably why we we weren't set up correctly, why we didn't get the three points in the end. And you've got to say fair play to Neil Warnock. He, you know, very experienced manager, knows what he's doing. They'll be over the moon with that point because we're in decent form going for the playoffs there on the other end of the scale or down the bottom, had a couple of bad results leading up to this game. So, you know, you've got to say fair play. And I actually think, if we're being very honest... Second half, we weren't good enough, and they probably the better team. And that's the disappointing thing for me, is that we didn't react. I mean, you could probably say that at times this season, that's been a, maybe one of his flaws, Mowbray, is that when something seems very obvious, he doesn't always react straight away to it. Mm. We came out... We, we, we do this all the time, really, you know. We come up in the second half, and we just, we don't get off off the ground. We just, we just seem to come out, and we're too relaxed, and... The other teams obviously had a bit of a rocket up them and they come out in the play. And that's how it felt to me. I just feel like 10 minutes after that break, it was obvious what was going to happen. And it came. And we have nobody but ourselves to blame, really. Mm. So yeah, a very, very frustrating result and performance all around. I'm just chuckling because five minutes into the second half, I was thinking about you. Because the amount of times <laughs> this season you've said we've been crap after, after half-time and we don't know what... Mm when we come out for half time and we did it again. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, going back to your point about Neil Warnock, I think you've got to tip your hat to Huddersfield. I mean, I think we, in terms of, if you just look at us in isolation, it was the same performance as we put in against Birmingham, but we got away with it against Birmingham. 
because, well, a couple of reasons. A moment of magic from Ahmad and that Birmingham weren't very good. I actually thought Huddersfield were much better than Birmingham and came at us and were a bit more on our faces. And actually, if I was Neil Warnock, I'd be disappointed that they didn't collect three points. They'll be happy with a point because they're taking over and they kind of that's another point on the board and all that sort of stuff. But if I was them, I'd be disappointed that they didn't pick up uh, maximum points because yeah. they had a couple. They had a couple of breaks towards the end. But I, I honestly think this was a carbon copy performance that we did against Birmingham that we did against Huddersfield. It was two two performances exactly the same. The only difference was um, one you know opposition. Uh, side were better than the other but uh, but as as you said because even though we were worse after the break you know we, we weren't great in the first half I mean I actually thought no. until until we scored we looked we looked a bit shaky and actually you could argue that the goal came out of nothing and actually it came out of five minutes of pressure from Huddersfield where did yeah Patterson nearly lost the ball. We were looking a bit wobbly. The fans were get starting to get a bit tetchy, and you could hear a few groans in the crowd. And then suddenly we broke, which was quite it was quite fortunate the way we broke as well. Uh, Ahmad nicking the ball and then kind of breaking and and all that sort of stuff, and Gellard uh, doing his thing. But I mean, it's it's difficult because I don't want to. It's been a great season, and I, I wrote last week that the lads deserve a lot of credit, and they do, but. I don't think it's been two great performances. No, I think you're. I think you're right. I, I, one part of us wants to sit here and be like, look at the season and just look at how well we've done. But then there's another part of us like, oh, what could have been? I think I've seen a stat. We've dropped 19 points from winning positions at home this season. That is disappointing. We all know about the home form. The home form hasn't been good enough. And it's always against teams... Like Huddersfield, I know it's a bit of a football cliche to say teams like, but it is. It's always teams that you expect to beat. You you look at it and you go, well, we are a better team than them, which we are. We've got better players, which we have, even with all the injuries. There's no reason why we shouldn't beat that side. But then you look at the way we set up and you think, well, we've obviously set up thinking they were just going to come and sit back because that's the only reason I can really give for Pritchard starting centre midfield. That and the fact that his old team in Mowbray's probably thought, you know, he's going to give an extra 10% against these because he wants to play well. But to me, that midfield told me that, and Roberts actually, Roberts played rather deep, didn't he? It was like a 4-3-3. You know, Pritchard and Roberts either side of Neil at times. And that told me that we were just expecting to have all of the ball and try to play through them, which, to be fair, is what I expected. And... You know, you've got to adapt during a game, and I don't think we did that. I, th- I think, you know, when you look at the changes we made, they were like-for-like changes. You know, Lee Hadji coming on. For Gelhart, we, all we did was shuffle the, the forward line around. We didn't really do a great deal different. Anderson only came on because of an injury, and then Watson was a really strange substitution. Like, I'm, I'm not nothing against the kid. It's his debut. I'm sure he's very proud. But if you're going to bring him on, why bring him on the 88th minute? It doesn't make any sense to me. I thought... There was probably a time and a place to do it, and it might have been 10 minutes earlier. But I've, actually, I'm looking at that bench, and I'm thinking Equa probably could have came on and gave us a bit more physicality when we needed to maybe hold the ball and break them down a bit more and get stuck in a bit, really, because physically we weren't at it. Bar has gone missing in recent weeks. like We haven't seen him. I don't know what's going on there. But we know what he can bring. We know that he's a good passer of the ball. He can get past people. He can make things happen. So, the, yeah, the subs were, were odd. I mean... Again, as I say, the overall point being we've had a really good season. 
And the other thing being, we've had a lot of injuries. So you're looking at the bench and you're thinking, well, there's not a great deal on there. But I don't really think those are excuses for this performance. I actually think that it's a big opportunity missed. Really big opportunity missed. Because, you know, a lot of the teams around us were sort of relying on other teams to drop points. But we're still going to sit here and be like, well, you know, we this, this could have been better. I'm not saying we, sh- we should have had 19 extra points because everyone drops points. But you look at this one and you think, oh, we should have held on to that. We should have held on to it. Well, that's, that's it. I mean, you, you talked about that start. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a pretty kind of damning start about how many points we've dropped from winning positions. But the other one is we've only won back-to-back games in the league once at home this season. And that was uh, that was the Middlesbrough and Redden across uh, February and and January, and I think there was kind of two games, two or three games in the in the middle of those as well. And actually, we, we lost at home to Fulham in the middle of those two. But in terms of home games, we've only won back to back games once this season. And I thought I thought this this would be the, the the kind of the second occasion. I thought we'd you know after after we came up with Birmingham because look if you take the it, it it's funny you were talking about how we set up. And if you look at that game against Birmingham, I mean, it was just so frustrating. We had nearly 70% of the possession. I think we had 68% of the possession against Birmingham, something ridiculous like that. But it was we did nothing with it. And the, the, the problem was, instead of stretching the play, whenever we were in possession, players ran towards the ball. There was nobody stretching the play and running away from it. And I mean, I know that's got a lot to do with Pritchard having to play in that advanced role and that, that's where he played at the weekend. But the the game then changed when he made the subs just after the hour mark, and Luke nine came on, which gave us some drive from the back, and Pritchard dropped into a deeper role, which it's the same role as he played, and Gellard came on and he did well. So I think in terms of how we set up, Mowbray just thought, well, we played better after I made those changes against Birmingham, so I'm going to start with that system against uh, against Huddersfield. And the theory, I suppose the theory was that we picked up where we left off against Birmingham. But again, Gellard kept running towards the ball again and he kept kind of squashing the play up. And what we needed to do at times was stretch it because if you look at where the first goal came from, it was it was actually a joy to see Gellard pick the ball up with space in front of him to yeah, run into first, it. I think that may be the first time I've seen yeah. him actually do that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, every time he picks the ball up, he's got his back to goal. And in the, early in the first half, he was doing his usual thing. I remember, I think it was Luke O'Nine played the ball into his feet and he just, he kind of gave the ball away as if he w- he wasn't there. He couldn't hold the ball up. But it was a joy to actually see him, right, with some ground in front of him, pick the ball up and want to be positive. And he, he, he actually showed us what he can do and that he is actually a striker and he can actually strike the ball because he hasn't been in that position enough and we needed to stretch the player to get him in those positions. But what, what we tend to do is go towards the ball. Um, and we, we did that too much against against Birmingham. And, um, and we did it again against Huddersfield. So we, we seem to kind of be, be, kind of get into this mindset where we can't get runners in behind. And especially with a system where Dan Neal had to just kind of stay where he was because Pritchard was that kind of second midfielder at times, we're trying to push on. And then we had Trey Hume. Whenever we were in possession of the ball, Trey Hume came from that right-back position and played as that second central midfielder. He kind of tucked in, Mm -hmm. which kind of worked at times and at times it left us a bit strange. But yeah, when it comes to subs, I I just didn't get the subs at all. The the, the Tommy Watson one, 
it should be a good it, it should be a feel good story you know like Tommy Watson making his debut 17 year old brilliant it's all good news but what was the point I mean I don't get it do and and he looked a bit kind of overwhelmed by the by the situation as well you know if we'd stuck him I on don't, I we, don't even remember if he touched the ball no he, maybe he, he did once he, he just he looked overwhelmed by it and I, I don't think Mowbray got that one right um, the Haji one was it. I can see why an attacking player, but bringing Gallard off, what was what was the but point? The Haji didn't know what runs to make. I was watching him, and he was making he was making the same runs as Pritchard half the time. He was just getting in the way. It was a bit clunky. Like I don't actually think, and that's not a slight on him. I just don't know what he thought he was on the pitch to do, because then we what we did was we moved, we we sort of pushed people into forward positions. So I think you know you saw Roberts went central when Galhart came off and sort of went through the middle, as did Pritchard, as did Ahmad, weirdly. And then you had sort of Liadji trying to hug the right touchline. And just, they, they were all in each other's way. And it, it just, I don't know, it didn't work. I don't know whether the plan was to try and make space for Clark, like sort of, you know, double up down the right, double up through the centre, and then maybe create a bit of room for Clark when they start pulling across. Because that has worked for us at times, but it just didn't, yeah. And I guess you've got to say sometimes things work, sometimes they don't. We'd be calling Mowbray a genius if it had came off. <laughs> but, you know, it didn't come off. And in this instance, we're looking at it and we're thinking, well, we don't really know what you were doing. But it's the same problems. Again, you're talking about people making runs. And there was times people were looking in the box and there's just there's just nobody there because, I mean, again, all right, it's it's circumstances dictate that that we've got a, we've got a full team who don't play off the shoulder and get in behind. They all come back for the ball and they all drop off for the ball, so they all come deep. The thing is, though, I I could see Clark doing that. Could you not? I I don't think we've ever... Have we really tried him through the middle enough, do you think? We did did the first time when Ross Stewart and Ella Sims got injured the first time and Clark played as as that advanced role. But the problem was, I I think Clark was doing so well on the flank because he he basically, uh, you know, he looked dangerous every time he got the ball. So it was kind of, do you take that risk of... You know, it's trying to find another option in the middle. I mean, there was there was one occasion where I saw us get the ball out wide, and the most advanced player when we got the ball out wide looking for the ball was Trey Hume. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he was the only one in the box when we got the ball out wide, and you kind of thinking, you know, you, you need something. I mean, even if he brought Lahadji on, but say play off the last man, and and just look. For, I want you to play off the last man and look for every time we get it look like you're going to make a run in behind. I mean, I'd prefer him to do that than what you described where he's hooking the right touchline. It's, it's risky as well. You know what I mean? Because I was looking at him thinking, we are quite wide open here. So we're, we're, we're putting people into forward positions who were already on the pitch, plus bringing people on. And that left us wide open. And I, Honestly, I just I was looking at him thinking, I would get Ekwa on here, just because mm. Huddersfield are going to walk through us and score in a minute. I think a better team would have beat us, if yeah. I'm honest. Definitely, I definitely think that. I think Huddersfield weren't great, but you know you've got to you've got to be fair to them. They they came they came with you know belly full of optimism, and I think obviously Warnock will have been quite optimistic in the in the changing room because he's got to be because he's got to try and get these players to play for him and got to get them to to try and get a result. So they they'll have been you know up for it, and you you see some of the players who were out on the pitch from you know some of these lads weren't getting a game before he came in. I think the lad who scored was out on loan to League One before he came in and got, got brought back. I think he might be been at Ipswich, I might be wrong. Um, but wasn't pulling up any trees in League One. And Warnock's got some of these lads playing for him. So you've got to say fair play. 
But like we've beat better teams than Huddersfield this season. And the the home form, I guess, is a it's gonna be the sore point coming out this season, regardless of how well we've done. Like, I think we've we've sounded a bit depressed <laughs> tonight, but <laughs> you've just got it you've you've got to sort of look at the whole whole picture, haven't you? You know, we we're on about the um the last time we recorded a pod was prior to the whole game. We drew that game fours each. We tossed the win right at the end with that penalty. We then beat Birmingham at home and you're thinking, great, you know, but we didn't play well, you're right. I think a better team would have done more there. We draw against Huddersfield. You go even further back than that. We drew with Luton. You know, we got beat 5-1 off Stoke in the game before that at home. Bristol City won all. Last minute Redden, we just about beat, didn't we? You know, that, that was a late goal from Roberts. So, like, the home form is ultimately what's going to decide where we finish this season. Because away from home, championship standard. like That is like top of the table standard away form. At home, like not good enough. And yeah. I'm not really sure what the actual reason for that is. I don't know whether we... we I th- I'm sure Mowbray would probably say that we haven't got the players to play a different way. But like I would argue, you know, we, prob- we probably could have telegraphed what Huddersfield were going to come and do. And maybe not playing... Like a front six effectively at times was the right thing to do. I think we probably had to be ready for a little bit of a scrap as well as being able to play on the front foot. Yeah. Well, maybe if you if you look at where the goal came from, and actually if you look at the goal, the the winning goal against Birmingham, that's kind of two goals where actually they came from almost hitting hitting the opposition on the break at home, and the, the, that's what we do away, and that's what we're good at. So if you looked at yeah, that yeah. that second that the second goal against Birmingham, Clark switched the play really quickly, and Ahmad was, you know, he was able to catch them on the hop and cut inside and and do his thing. The goal against uh, Huddersfield, we broke quickly. You know, Huddersfield couldn't get back. Gellard got the ball running a goal, and we caught them on the break. Th- that's the problem when, and and it's this kind of not having any runners in behind, at home, when we've got nobody running beyond their defence, everyone comes to the ball and that means we've got five or six players just lining up on the edge of the box and that's not going to hurt the opposition. I mean, opposition now come to the stadium and they just, they know that all they need to do is sit on the edge of the box and and play tight because we're going to pass it, pass it, pass it and eventually, nine times out of ten, we're going to make a mistake because... We play too many passes because there's no runners going in beyond, and I think for the most part that's been our problem. I mean, the you know the obvious the obvious thing is to say, look, well, you know, we've played we've played this season without a striker, which you know is is perfectly valid, and you know that that's kind of you can't get away from that fact. But at the same time, like we've seen this problem game after. I mean, you've rattled some games off there where we saw exactly the same problem. I would have liked us just to Tony Mowbray to just, you know, pick out whether it's Barr, Lihaji, even with Bennett when he was fit, or whether it's Jack Clark, or whether it's Ahmad or whatever. So, well, maybe not Ahmad because you want him on the you want him on the byline at times, but someone just to say, play off the last man. I want to see you making runs in behind, and and you know maybe that would have made a difference. But I mean. In the last two games, it's been so evident just that that row of five or six players who are just happy to sit on the edge of the box. Uh, interesting line from Mowbray in his post-match. He said, if you're going to be a team that genuinely challenges, you have to find consistency. And I think we fell a bit short tonight. You also talked a little bit about things we just said, that it was scrappy. 
you know, he was bemoaning the fact that for their goal, nobody makes a tackle for 30 or 40 yards. But I wonder, is that is that a side effect of the culture we've created in terms of, you know, it's all about technical football, getting the ball forward, moving into forward areas. Even the central midfielders have to look up and play forward. Is that a side effect of the way we play? Because we sit here and we love it when it works. Like that, you know, there was times against Hull, there was times against Birmingham in those games where we were just delicious to watch and you're watching it you think, oh, some of the football here is immense. But then, we've had this conversation before, you look right the way through the fixtures and the games in recent times and pretty much all season and you look at the goals we've conceded and you never sat here going, oh, that was a great goal, that. You know, hands up, hands up in the air, fair enough. They've they've pulled one out the top top bin there or whatever. It's never that. It's always a mistake, an individual error, and that that's another real big frustration for me. That goal, as Tony Mowbray pointed out, you know the guys travelled far too far without being tackled and they score. The the Birmingham goal was far too easy. I think it's Pritchard gives the ball away too easy. Then Danny Bart dives in and it all just escalates from there. You go right the way through the whole goals. You know, every one of them was crap defending, including the one that we conceded right at the end, the penalty that we gave away. And it goes on and on and on, all the way back through the season. Like, a lot of these are self-inflicted issues. And it... What do you do about that? Like, what... Obviously, it's far too late to do anything now because we've got a handful of games left. But it it does sort of underline the season. The, the, The way we've conceded goals and the home form do underline all of the all of the good that we've done. We've had a really, really good season. We're not sitting here saying we haven't. We've had a brilliant season. I've loved it. When all's said and done, we'll be sat here going, what a season we've had. Some unbelievable football that we've seen from Sunderland. But it it doesn't mean you can't be frustrated too with some of the stuff. Yeah, and it it's not you know, you you are you are right. And it's not it's not just a technical problem in terms of um, kind of giving the ball away because that, as you said, that's a symptom of you know we do we do kind of overplay at times and it's at times it's just fantastic and we love it but at times we're going to give the ball away and we we kind of have to accept that but what we have to do is we have to make sure we we've got a plan for that because we we are going to give the ball away and the problem is we're not just technical in possession. We try and be technical out of possession as well. So instead of what what we try and do, and I've noticed Dan Neal and Mishu doing this a lot over recent weeks, instead of sometimes, like you say, letting the letting the, the lad run 20, 30 yards, instead of putting a tackle in, they're trying to nick the ball so we've got possession rather than just kind of smashing somebody and getting rid of the ball. There's only, there's only really your nine makes them type of tackles in the team as well. It's quite obvious, the, isn't it? Yeah. They want to nick the ball and win back possession, which is brilliant. I mean, technically, it's fantastic. But sometimes, like, you just want to play it safe and just put a tackle in, you know, give a free kick away or, or something just just to break up their play. But what we want to do is we want to we want to nick it off them, get a little touch on it, and then we can pass it, and then we, we're away again. So we want, to, we want to win the ball by winning possession, which I don't want to knock too much because it's a it's a brilliant place to try and get to, but sometimes on occasion, you know, if things are looking dangerous, just go in and smash them. Just go in with a tackle. Yeah. Just go like you know, just jump in. If you give a free kick away, it it upsets their rhythm. Just do something like that. So 
you know, I don't want to knock that out of him, but again, it might be linked to experience as well. Maybe next year, after a year of making those type of mistakes, next year, you know, if if let's say we do have a midfield pairing of Dan Neal and, and Misha, which could well happen, that they've learned from this season and maybe they'll put those tackles in because actually last season, you know, they'll realise from this season that that led to a goal and next season they'll put a tackle in and trip them up or whatever and and give a technical foul away. I think a lot of the, the performances we've seen recently have probably told me that next year we have to probably fine-tune the way we play in terms of, you know, we, yes, the, the, the attacking play is fantastic, but maybe we have to give a little bit of that up to supplement it with a little bit of other stuff. So like Mowbray has talked about, we, we try to play through them and that was risky because on the turnover it left us vulnerable. But he seems to say that every week, which tells me we've only really got one way of playing and we only really coach one way of playing, which is fine with the players we've got. I kind of understand it. But in the summer when we can reset a bit and we need to change a little bit, I wonder if that's something they're looking at and maybe thinking there's going to be more expectation on Sunderland to actually challenge at the top next year. And for that to happen, we can't play total football every week against everyone we play. We've got to be able to mix it up. Like look at Burnley; they are obviously yes, they've they've got the resources behind them, so they've got they've had the ability to sign players to be able to do this. But on on days where they have to dig in, Ashley Barnes starts up front. On days where they can take teams apart, you've got Benson on one wing and tearing them to bits, and and Teller playing, and you know what I mean. They've got variety in the squad, which we through a variety of reasons just. Be, haven't been able to do and that, that obviously you, you know we're sitting like I said we, we were talking about the subs before when you look at the bench there's not a great deal of variety I would have probably made a couple of different changes personally but you know I do concede that if Mowbray gets it right we're not talking about that we're sort of hailing him as a genius and that you you know that's just the way it is in football you make, you make decisions in the spur of the moment if they come off fantastic if they don't then it is what it is but as a more general sort of discussion point about this team I think it's like it is really crucial that we find some balance in the summer because we're going to see it over the next few weeks with the games we've got we've all three games are against tough opponents who are still technically in the race to play for something and it's going to be a good test of where we're at because you know these are teams with resources teams who are going to be around us if we're if we're in the battle next year and I want to see us mix it up a bit if I'm honest I'm 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 a little bit I'm not going to say bored that's not the word but I want to I want to just see a different side to some of these players like you've just said you know it's we we know what some of these lads can do on the ball what can you do without it can you be different can you be more aggressive out of possession and and I think that'll be what ultimately defines us next season as well yeah and but it'll be interesting as well because like we can we can almost say that Tony Mowbray's been fighting the cert against the circumstances of what he's been put in as well as having some really good technical players because has he you could argue has he had that balance because of people being being out injured or or whatever and I'm not just talking about Stuart I'm talking about you know he lost Corey Evans and Corey Evans might have come in for the odd game um you know for the likes of you know we talked about I think there was um was it the Rotherham game where we needed some bite in the middle and Corey Evans might have come in for games like that but the, the other thing is you know, early early on in in Mowbray's reign, I mean, before that as well, we were playing Stewart and and Sims up front, and as a two, as a pair. I mean, actually, yeah. sometimes that just gives you a bit of bite from you know from the front line, 
you know, and kind of sometimes the, the team follow that when, you know, when the front two puts pressure on, on the defence and you've got that aspect. We, we haven't had that. So we've had a bunch of midfielders, we've had a bunch of technical players trying to put their foot in. And that's obviously been the weakness in our game. And, you know, when they get the ball in open space, they've been fantastic. But we've been, we've been wide open. I mean, it's, it probably tells you a lot that we're one of the division's top scorers, but we're we're looking like we we're going to finish kind of closer to mid table, um, and it tells mm-hmm. you kind of it kind of tells you what we've had to do. We've had to almost try and score the you know outscore the opposition because we know we're going to concede some goals because that's just the way we are. Now actually, it's not just talking about and don't get us wrong that it will make a difference if you put different players in the centre and midfield. But actually, even if you've got players, different players up top who have got a bit more bite, that's gonna that's gonna be a start, and then actually we'll see where that gets you after that because that that's just gonna give you a completely different dimension. Yeah, I would argue actually in in some ways that Evans has been one up there, uh, you know, touching with with Stuart, you know, the biggest miss of the season really, because in in these games now where you need just. You need that leader, that experience on the pitch. Like Evans, Evans won't play every ball forward, but he he chooses his moments and he takes pressure off the players around him. And we've learned this season actually how good he is. I think because yeah. when he's played, he's been brilliant, and when he hasn't played, we've missed him badly. And I I, I know everyone talks about Ross Stewart, and with good reason because he's fantastic and he's such a good player. And we don't have to go back into the discussion around him it's been done to death but I don't think enough said about Evans personally because I think even games like Huddersfield he would have done a job that nobody else is capable of of just sitting in and and just winning us the ball and being very very you know productive where we 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 don't need him to just go racing forward and playing forward balls he can give it five yards to people and receive it again and be in the right place to give get the ball back off them we've really missed him in my opinion yeah and and the the other thing that um, has happened because of the injury to Corey Evans is that essentially Dan Neal's had a ball and chain around his, <laughs> around yeah. his ankle since Corey Evans was out because basically when Corey Evans was there, Dan Neal could he could drive with a ball 20 yards. Now, if, if you, especially when you saw him against Huddersfield, every time he got possession of the ball, he, looked, he just had to give it because he, he couldn't mm-hmm. be out of position. Because I mean, playing him in the middle with Pritchard and asking Pritchard to play twenty yards in front of him, Daniel couldn't. He he couldn't kind of be that attacking player who, let's say, Corey Evans. You wouldn't be surprised if Corey Evans had, had had a season fit. If Daniel might have getting ten goals, he might have getting double figures this season. You know, he yeah. can, he he can get a goal. He's got a shot on him. He likes getting into attacking positions. But with Corey Evans out, Dan Neal's been... And don't get us wrong, I think Dan Neal's had a really fantastic season. Really good season. But he would have had a completely different season if Corey Evans had been fit. Yeah, and then you obviously you think about someone like Ballard as well, who was brilliant till he got injured. Yeah. And I know that Mowbray's been kind of reluctant to play 0-9 further forward, but you have to think in... In, in my head anyways, and maybe this is now Mowbray thinks, and I might be wrong, but to me... If if you've got two fit centre halves, then O'Neill's the best replacement for Evans in that sort of role, and we've not played him there. Even when, to be fair, when Ballard when Ballard was was fit, we didn't play O'Neill there a great deal. And we've talked about this again at QPR away, yeah, brilliant there, and then we then we never saw him there again. 
So, you know, I think any fan of any team could sit and, you know, we sort of do a bit of an inquest here into the season. And I'm sure fans of all clubs will do this. They'll all think what could have been, what should have happened, what, you know, it is what it is. But you have to admit, I don't think in my time as a fan, I've ever seen as many injuries. I mean, even in the Huddersfield game, two players going off injured. Mm. Mishu not starting the game. You're looking at it and you think, Jesus, you know, <laughs> what what's happened this season with injuries? Because if we'd had a fully fit squad, God knows what we could have achieved. But And it's not even like, I know not everybody is able to keep all of their best players fit at the same time. But we seem to have just had more than anyone else. I can't remember. I don't know about you. Obviously, you've got a few more years on than me, like Chris. But yeah, cheers, mate. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember an injury crisis like this with so many first team players being missing. I'm I'm racking my brains, and I, and I can't think yeah. of especially especially with a handful of long term injuries. I can't remember a yeah. season where we've had two, what three, four, a real. Kind of well, you know, long... Embleton's another one that we don't talk yeah. about. He played quite a bit till yeah. he got, and he, he's out for the season. But even even with Embleton, that isn't necessarily a. You're not going to say, oh, he's going to start every game, and he didn't before. But he was always an option from the bench. He always gave players a, a rest. You know, players could come back out for a game, and Embleton could come in. He got a few goals before he got injured. You know, so he might not have. You know, he not, might not set the world alight. He might not be our best player this season. But all you need, if you, all you need, is bodies so you can rotate things around. Mm. You know, with a Saturday, Tuesday uh, kind of schedule, especially when we had the, the kind of cup replays and we needed players. You know, to have all these players out. I mean, it it has on a knock on effect to, to all the other players, but uh, but no, I I genuinely can't think. I, I genuinely can't think of another season that I, I can remember where we've had so so many players out. I mean, if if you look at the if you look at the first eleven um, against Huddersfield, I mean. I mean, Gooch has had a bit time out. I think Danny Bart even had a few games out injured. Um, yeah. When he uh, or nine's been out, I, I think Pritchard had a uh, he was out for a good yeah, month yeah, or something like spell, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, e- even looking at that that eleven that turned out against Huddersfield, there's players within there who have missed for for long periods. Yeah. So well, I was lo- I was looking at the the team that played Middlesbrough because that was the game Evans came off injured in. Uh, when we won 2 0 at the stadium like back in January. And I was looking at that and you, Elise came off in that game. He's obviously long term yeah. injured. But yeah. he's and even when you know prior to this injury was in and out with fitness issues. Uh Ballard is out again, possibly for the season. He had what three months out. Yeah. Uh, Evans got injured in that game, like I said. Stuart played in that game. You look at the bench, Joseph Bennett came on and he's out for the season. Mishu's missing. Bailey Wright's not here anymore. Well, he technically is, but he's out for the season. Another injury. He didn't even get injured playing for us. He got injured playing for Rotherham, but he's out for the season. Uh, we let Diaku go. Like a lot. That's only a f- what, like you know, three months ago, and so much of that team's been missing. It's just I've never known anything like it. So to be even be able to put a team out on the pitch that seems functional in a game like Huddersfield is is a bit of an achievement, I guess, in many ways. But it it. It is a big fr- it is a big frustration. You just think what could have been with with a more fit squad. Well, one one decision you can look back to is um, loaning out Jamie Tete to Plymouth. Well, Cause, yeah, and I said it at and, the time. I didn't get it to be no, honest. But but I mean, well, you can get it if all of those players stayed fit. Because if if Jim but Tete he did it, good. he did it just before. You know, it, I know it was just before Evans got injured. Like, I think yeah. I think if in another 
world we could have somehow worked out Evans was about to get injured, they wouldn't have sent him. Obviously, that was a decision made before Evans' injury. But at the same time, we we replaced him with Equa, who they don't really mm. trust. And I, I just think now, even regardless of what side of the argument you set on with, like, should we have replaced Evans and should we have let Matetti go? You look at it now and you think, well, if Matetti was here now, he'd be playing, wouldn't he? Yeah. He'd be starting with, with Dan Neal. So, yeah, big decision. And he's playing for a team at the top end of the league below us at the minute, but he's playing yeah. and contributing. And and yeah. importantly, as something different to what we... like. You know, we're playing Alex Pritchard centre mid because Michu's injured and I'm thinking... I've never watched Pritchard and thought he's a centre mid or he's any good, going to be any good there. Whenever he's played there, he's been poor. And I just think, you know, I'd rather have played... A, I would rather have played Ekwa in this game just because even though he's a bit more... Def- no, is he defence-minded? I don't know. Is that, just a, is that just a lazy opinion? I don't know. Is is he more... I know he's physically more... You know, he looks more like a defensive midfield player, but he does go forward. I don't know whether it was just we wanted some technicians on the pitch. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I'm sort of going around in circles here with that opinion. I just guess that it's... The point is, is that variety would have made a huge difference at this stage of the season, wouldn't it? Just having somebody like... Uh, yeah. I think Matete yeah. can play like Evans. And, that he's, and Pritchard certainly isn't Evans. But, I mean, it's not just not just the Matete thing. I mean, Embleton, Elise, all these players that were out would have, you know, Dennis Serkin got got sent off. And so yeah. he gets sent off. You bring Elise in or vice versa. And, all, you know, you lose these bodies. You just H- Huggins. Lose. We haven't had Huggins all Huggins. season. Yeah, there's another one out for for the pretty much the whole season. It's just options. I mean, it's just bodies that you've got in there that you can't that you can't kind of select from. And we've probably got a full. You could you could probably pick a full team out of all the players who have lost for for decent stretches, um, this season. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it, in terms of that, you know, Pritchard. I, you know, you mentioned there talking about variety. I mean, again, I, we know our record off set pieces this season. I mean, every every corner hit the first man or went yeah. too far to the back post. I mean, there wasn't one. You know, you kind of you're on the edge of your seat with a corner, and you think, "Oh, come on, we're going to get one here," and you just know where it's going to go, and you know that the the set piece isn't going to be good mm. enough. I, I'm just a bit, I'm a bit tired of Pritchard's yeah. uh, set pieces yeah. this season, and you know, I slagged, I was slagging them off against Birmingham, and then we scored from one. <laughs> <laughs> but they've been terrible at that point. Yeah. They had been. Yeah. So I'm stood in my seat going, I turn to my mate, says, uh, I hope he doesn't take another one because every one of them's been crap. And then we scored from one and I just went, oh, I better shut my mouth now, you know what I mean? But but it's not just that. I mean, I'd, just on Pritchard, I, I don't think he's had the best season. And and look, I, I did feel sorry for him against Birmingham because Pritchard isn't the type of player who wants the ball with his back to goal. He wants everything in front of him. And I felt a bit sorry for him. And he has been put in that position quite a lot this season. So I've got sympathy for them there, but he hasn't had the, the best of seasons. And I mean, next season, I'm hoping that we, we see more from Pritchard. And I think it might come with a different system where he actually plays behind the striker and he's he's got people running ahead of him, um, which he hasn't had too much of this season. But I'm, I'm hoping for a better year next year from Pritchard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if he's even here. You know, that's the other yeah, thing. They might yeah. they might look at him and move him on. <laughs> yeah. Um but we've we've done a lot of reflecting and a lot of um analysis of the season as a whole. We've really not looked at the games bit by bit, but I don't think I think at this stage that's probably what most people are doing, right? The most most people are just sort of looking at the season as a whole now and what might have been and um like I say, I think come 
come the end of it all, I think most fans will reflect and be like, that was a brilliant season. And it certainly isn't over yet. Like, stranger things have happened. We've got three games left and we've got to win all of them to stand even half a chance of qualifying for the playoffs. And what I do think is that we'll we'll apply ourselves and we'll have a go. And we even right down to that last game at Preston, if there's nothing to play for, then I, I reckon we'll still go there and we'll still play the Sunderland way. We'll play on the front foot. We'll have a go. We'll try and score goals like we've... You know, we've we've done in every game in the last what thirty or so games. Like we'll all, we'll always try and score goals, and it makes it entertaining for the fans and stuff. Um, but I think now after this Huddersfield game, I think a lot of people are probably thinking this is it, and this is the season over with, and we'll now probably spend the next few weeks reflecting more and sort of trying to work out what's going to happen in the summer, and. Maybe that'll be Mowbray's MO too. He has hinted at it, hasn't he? He said once there was once it felt as though there was nothing left to play for, you would start trying different things. I mean he hasn't got a lot of choice with the amount of injuries we've got, but like it will be interesting to see how the next few weeks pan out. And I guess as a fan, all I want to see is signs of sort of progression and signs of that next season's gonna be a bit more optimistic for us because we've basically played without pressure, haven't we, all year? Like that's why we're maybe a little bit somber now. I don't think anybody was sat thinking we're gonna we've got to get promoted again. By the way, we've got to win every game from now at the end of the season. Nobody's thinking like that. Even right up until the last few games, I think people have just sort of clung onto a faint bit of hope that we might get into the playoffs somehow. But if we don't, then so what? And that's sort of how I feel now. Still after the last few games, I just sort of think, well, we've had a decent go at it. We've I think we're unbeaten in six actually, which is good going really considering the games we've had but it it hasn't been quite enough to get us all the way there and yeah we'll spend the next few weeks reflecting and working out what's going to go from here well isn't it weird because you know i think let's say we've got a last minute winner we would have been looking forward we were inst- oh, we, yeah. Would, yeah. we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have talked about anything what's going on this season because it just feels like we needed six points out of these two games to to kind of really... I mean, like you said, anything could still happen. We've still got a chance. We're still in there, which... And again, I'll, I'll point everyone to the editorial I did last week. I, I said there that it's a, it's a fantastic achievement that, you know, let's say we finish 10th, 11th, even, you know, whatever, mid-table. It, that's a fantastic achievement. To then be in touch and distance of the playoffs is an unbelievable achievement, especially all the things we've talked about, all those players being out injured. I mean, it's a fantastic season, the effort that, that those lads put in. And it's it's brilliant that they've got us within touching distance. But it just feels like with the draw against Huddersfield, there's a little bit now that, there's a little bit of acceptance that, you know, that, that, that kind of tinge of excitement that we might, you know, have the possibility of another trip to Wembley, you know, back, back-to-back trips and, and a playoff final. It's just kind of go. It's just slipping through our fingers later on, and it just feels now that I think we we naturally just reflected on what might have been just purely because we dropped two points. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll uh, we'll cling on to that faint bit of hope until it, uh, <laughs> it it's actually confirmed we can't go anywhere else. But yeah, uh, West Brom coming up at the weekend. We'll be back uh, probably before West Brom. I think Chris, we might as well talk about that game once the uh, the next round of fixtures have passed and stuff, and we can. Maybe work out what's going to happen from there. So eh, we'll catch you then, mate. Cheers, mate. Cheers for joining us always. Cheers to the listeners for joining us as always. 
make sure as always you check rotorreport.espionation.com for all your latest Sunderland opinions, news and views and we'll uh, catch you around about the West Brom game cheers Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.